0: This Crowdcast podcast is brought to you by the book, Sitting in the Shade of Another Tree. For too long, people of faith have focused more on pointing out where other religions get it wrong. But what if we decided to focus more on all the ways those other religions get it right? This path might end up leading us into deeper understanding, connection, friendship, and peace. This was the idea behind the book that Choir Publishing and Pathios decided to assemble gathering voices from different religious backgrounds who have learned to listen to those outside their own faith traditions. We hope that the wisdom they share with us here allows you to become more open to the truth and beauty to be found outside your own faith community. Sitting in the shade of another tree from Choir Publishing and Patheos, available now on Amazon.
1: Hey heathens, you're listening to the Deadly Faith Podcast where religion and crime collide. I'm Lacey. And I'm Lola. And this shit is corrupt. The mind that was in
0: Jesus, that mind is in me. Without me, life has no meaning. Why would God tell you what I'm thinking and tell you what I've said to my wife or my husband when you're
2: not around? It's because I'm the pastor of the church and I need to know. This is the only place where you
3: can see truth. Hi. I like how you say the word corrupt. Corrupt. You said rupt.
1: rupt. Ew, <laughs> that's so gross. <laughs> I say a lot of things like very awkward and my husband makes fun of me but that's like my texas twang coming out i think or like dialect because it's not really like an accent it's called ass. yeah it's not there's not a twang though it's like okay when somebody does this to you uh-huh what are they doing to you what are they doing don't do <laughs> it okay i want to see if you said pinch, pinch. okay Not paint. I say pinch.
3: Yeah, I (laughs) knew it. We've okay. Okay, We've had this discussion for about our accents, how we don't really have them until we say certain words. Yeah, you know exactly. Yeah, but the way that you said "corrupt" was just—it sounded like two different
1: words. "Corrupt." I think I just focused. (laughs) I guess so. I don't know. I focused on it too hard. Anyways, hello everyone. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Now that we're here, how y'all doing? We're pill buddies. We are pill buddies. We just took our nightly regimen of, you know, the pills that keep us happy. So we had
3: our girl talk and we took our mental health meds and
1: <laughs> and we're here and we're queer and we're ready to go. So I hope you guys are too. <laughs> we're in a silly goofy mood today. My cheeks hurt from smiling. <laughs> We've been on the computer for an hour just
3: talking. We've been venting and catching up because, yeah, we, we didn't record last week. Yeah, we didn't record last week, so we had to make up for it. The first 30 minutes of our session is just girl talk, and then we get into recording. But we
1: had to take a full hour this time. We did. We needed that time. I literally texted Lily yesterday, and I just said, I miss you. (laughs) She texts back, I miss you for real.
3: (laughs) And then I said something about we have to kiss (laughs)
1: because
3: I'm stupid. (laughs) I was like, we're going to long-distance podcast kiss. I don't know why I, I... I don't know why I said that.
1: Yeah. So if you ever guys ever meet us in person, expect us to be just as weird and awkward in person as we do in these moments on the podcast. Because I swear to you, it it's it will not it will not be good. I will not be awkward as fucking person. (laughs) Like I'm awkward as fucking person. Especially. (laughs) Especially when it's like, oh my God, I listened to your podcast. I'm like, yay. Thank you. Thank you. It's edited. And then like I turned (laughs) pregnant. Yeah. You're
3: reminding me of Link though from Rhett and Link when he's like, "We have a podcast and it's not that great." <laughs> he, said, he said something like that where he's like, "And it's it's different. It's not this. It's it's not that great. But you could listen." <laughs> and then Rhett said, "You know, what? just leak with whatever is worst. That's fine." Yeah, that's fine. I
1: fucking love Rhett and Link. They're mm. I have followed them for years. I love them. They're amazing.
3: Rhett and Link, please notice us. I will pee my pants if they even acknowledge our existence. Uh-huh. somebody out there, make that happen.
1: I, 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 I see. I can't even. I don't even she know said, what to do. Yeah, I have no words. Anyways, so what's your case? So today's case. It is it is a rough one. There are a lot of trigger warnings and damn it, this is the case. If you yeah, if you remember when we first started the podcast, I talked about how we want our listeners to be active true crime listeners and this is one of those cases that I'm going to ask you guys to be active on it is something I've wanted to cover for months, but because of legal reasons, I've kind of held back. But now that it has gotten as viral as it has, and so many other creators have covered this case, and even other like big time, um, news people are starting to cover it, which I'll talk about more at the end. I felt safer to be able to share this on our show, but I will dif- give a disclaimer before we get into anything. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say allegedly a lot in this case, and you're gonna get annoyed with it, but like it's for legal reasons. And so just bear with us. And the main suspect that we're gonna talk about today, they have not been charged. They have not have been, you know, found guilty of any crime pertaining to any of this. This is all allegedly, and I'm just sharing Grant and Gracie and Angie's stories, but it is allegedly for educational purposes only. Don't fucking sue me. Okay. Thank you. And now getting into the case. Okay, so trigger warnings. There's a lot of them. So like, oh god, hold on to your butts. No, my butt. I'm holding it. (laughs) (laughs) There is sexual abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, uh, domestic violence, uh, cover-up, murder, manipulation, and there's a lot of court custody battle talk. And so if any of that's triggering, yeah, just skip this one. Maybe just like skip to the end. And so you can kind of hear what you know, you can do to help the case. So are you ready, Lola? So we're going to issue a call to action at the end? Yes, yes. There will be some calls to action. There'll be multiple things that you can do. I
3: have to say something that's just stupid. And this is how my brain works. So when you said earlier okay. about... <laughs> I almost busted out <laughs> laughing because my brain is stupid. But you said this person has not been charged, and I, I was thinking, oh yeah, maybe they're a person of interest (POI). And then I thought, you know how I say, like when I text you, boy, I put B O I. Uh huh. Like, okay, boy. Or like, look at that okay. boy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 I thought POI. I was like, oh, poi, the poi. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> the boy, boy. <laughs> The ploy boy.
1: See, these are the moments that
3: we have, guys, you know? Okay. None of you would be friends with me in real life. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <sighs> okay. On my- a serious note, my smile is gone. Nobody can be friends with her in real life because
1: she's my best friend and I'll fight you for it. That's true. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. Let's jump into this. Okay. So in order to tell a story, I'm going to jump back to the very beginning um, and tell you about Angie, the mother of... Grant and Gracie. So when she was younger, in about 2001, she met her soon-to-be husband, Aaron Solomon. And just after about six weeks of dating, they got married. So it was very much one of those very fast Christian dating- you grinning. Marriage ...type situations. <laughs> I smile every time because it just makes me laugh because like, it's very rare, I feel like, that I meet somebody or I hear about somebody's story that's faster than mine was. And six weeks, fuck, that's that's fast. Mm-hmm. But Angie says that she felt a lot of pressure, not only from Aaron, but also from her parents to marry Aaron. And so she agreed and they got married. Um, I don't know specific details about Angie's relationship with her parents, but I do know that she did not have a good one with them. Like, it was very tumultuous. And, How old was she when she got married? I don't know exactly, um, but she was... I think when they got married, she was a little bit on the older side, both of them. I think they were probably mid 20s Oh, okay. You know, they weren't super young. I don't know exactly what year, but I'm going to guess in their 20s because I think she owned a house and stuff and she was already into her career at this point. Yeah. Now, later on, Angie states that she didn't know it at the time, but marrying Aaron was going to be the worst decision of her entire life. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it really was. Now, in just a few short years, they ended up having two children. In 2002, they had a son named Grant. And then in 2006, they had a daughter named Gracie. They lived just outside Nashville, Tennessee in a small town called Franklin, Tennessee.
3: (gasps) I love Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, Sorry. (laughs) Oh, you do? The plantation houses. Oh, my God. I'm obsessed. I I love Franklin, Tennessee.
1: (laughs) Wait. Aren't aren't plantation houses like shut up. We're, yes. Aren't, aren't they though? Like were they? Kept no, yeah. Okay, so just making sure I I'm forgot. Connecting. There was some
3: house I toured there. I went on vacation there after I graduated high school. And mm-hmm. uh one of the houses that we saw, they it still had blood from a soldier on the floor. Like the floor had had absorbed it like the wood floor upstairs and it had dripped to downstairs. So it was upstairs and downstairs. It was insane. Not that that's a good thing, but like that's, it was just so cool. The whole thing. And like they had kept the place as preserved as possible. Like the stairs and all the, I don't know, the architecture on those houses is awesome. I love it.
1: Yeah. And the history, I I get what you mean. So much history there. I love it. I love it. I want to go back. Yeah, (laughs) It's like how I felt so, I, I. this is what I think of when I went through the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. Like, I consider it to be an amazing experience. It mm. was sad. It was heartbreaking. Yeah. But it really, like, I walked through this little room and on both sides, it was just the shoes of the children oh, and yeah. the, the women that had been put into the gash. And so, yeah, it was very powerful. And I, I loved it, but not not for, like, warm and fuzzy feelings, you You know? We don't love what happened, but we love that we are honoring
3: those things in the ways that we can now, you know, without re-victimizing somebody. Yes, exactly. I love it. Exactly.
1: Go on, Franklin, Tennessee. (laughs) Franklin, Tennessee, right outside (laughs) Nashville. Uh, Angie says that it didn't take long before Aaron became very abusive, and over time, it just got increasingly worse. Aaron was the type of guy that was very controlling and manipulative, right after they got married, he even put his name on all of the property that she owned coming into the marriage, including vehicles. Oh, hell no. So like she had her Ugh. own vehicle and he's like putting his name on it. And so I just, I feel like even like that just shows how controlling he was because like, why would you need your name on her vehicle? Like, that's like a lot of steps to add your name to it. For if sure. it's already purchased. For sure. Like, uh, I could understand a house, you know, but like a vehicle? I don't know. It just felt like a lot. No, oh, yeah. Even though Angie didn't have a great relationship with her parents at this time, he still was able to come in between them and just, it, like, increase the division that was already amongst them. His controlling ways were so bad that he wouldn't let her grocery shop cook or have any control over the smallest portion of their finances. What? I watched it one <laughs> No, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I watched one interview where she was telling the story about how one time she had to beg Aaron to go and just buy milk so that the kids could eat their cereal. She had to beg him to go buy milk. Oh,
3: my God. Does it, Isn't that what like yeah. the normal like white man provider
1: wants for his wife to take care of those things? This is like a whole new yeah. level of control. A whole new level. I was like, seriously, wouldn't even let her cook, shop, nothing. He had to control Everything down to the penny of what was coming in and mm-hmm. out of that house. Now, Angie was a pharmacist. Pharmacists make good money, so it's not like oh. they're struggling. And he's trying to be frugal. He's just wanting to control everything. So she can it. have a job, but whatever. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that in a second. So okay. So, Angie's a pharmacist. Now, Aaron was an anchor at WMB Nashville. So, I think he was like a news anchor <laughs> type thing. What? What? <laughs> I'm thinking of the anchor man now.
3: I'm sorry. <laughs> Lola's brain today.
1: Oh my God. I don't
3: have a lot of squiggles. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So, with him being an anchor and her being a pharmacist, they they have plenty of money, right? Okay was trying to control her laughter. Right yeah, she can't stop the Anchorman. I'm done. I'm thinking about death. It's fine. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> okay. Now, his controlling nature didn't stop there. Uh, he controlled who Angie could and couldn't hang out with. He also wouldn't let her be around anybody unless he was present. He even made sure to accompany her to her doctor's visits. Why? I mean... If his head could get surgically sewed to her ass, he would. Aww. It was crazy. Well, <laughs> he wanted to control all of this and be present because he didn't want to give her the opportunity to alert anybody about what was going on at home. That's so romantic, Erin. Wow. I know. He uses a peach, right? Ooh. Now, after Grant, their oldest the son, mm-hmm. after he was born, Aaron's control just got worse. Angie says that uh, they always had to match clothes, but Aaron, uh, yeah, Aaron had to be the one to pick out the outfits, and they all had to, like, match. This is giving white woman Pinterest. What? Y- yes, but it's coming from Aaron, and I've, I, in my opinion, it's probably, like, him wanting to... Like his, uh, what is it when like people see you from the outside, like you're... Like control of the image? Mm-hmm. Yeah, their like self-image, their reputation. He wanted it to look all Pinterest perfect and matchy. Now Grant, uh, he grew to be a very caring and talented young man. He was commonly described as a natural athlete and he had just amazing athletic ability. At the time of this case, Grant was in high school and he stood... At six foot, four inches tall. He's a, he's a tall boy. Yeah. Oh. He he was a great basketball player, but his main sport that he really loved was baseball. And that's where he really was focusing his time, especially in his high the end of his high school career. He was loved by his peers. His mom says that he had the ability to just kind of like sense when something was off with somebody. Kind of like, like a sixth sense kind of thing. And he even... Could tell when somebody was like having a hard time or struggling. Very empathetic. And there were a few, very empathetic. And he, mm. there were a few times that she told the story where he could just get like, he would get this sense that like he needed to call a specific person and he'd call that person and check in on them and come to find out that person was contemplating taking their own life. <gasps> and he was able to comfort and offer support and keep them from ultimately making that decision. What an important skill. Uh, Yes. And I have a theory, this is just my opinion, but the more I dug into this case and the more research I did, the more I believe that this ability that Grant had, it actually, in my opinion, stemmed from him being forced to kind of like hide all of the abuse that he was going through and all of what was going at home. And he was having to cover it up, but it gave him the ability to really pick out those moments when somebody was struggling or trying to hide something because he had basically mastered that skill for so long.
3: this is why we can't have nice things this is why
1: I know, right agreed agreed now that is just my opinion, but okay I just I was like mm, I feel like there's there's something there. Grant was also described. I think this is so cute. He was described as an old soul. He was very old fashioned, like very chivalrous type of a guy, Ugh. very much a gentleman, and he loved like old school music. Stop. I thought that was really cute. That yeah, I know, right? Stop. Like adorable. I'm in love already. And when, you see, <laughs> when, when you see pictures of him, he's like the most little handsome guy. I've, oh, so
3: can I yeah. look at a picture of him, uh, or is that going to ruin everything? Yeah. Yay.
1: Um, actually, I'll send you a picture. How does send that, me a picture. oh my God, Are you kidding me? I
3: know. Isn't he adorable? <laughs> he's beautiful. So Are you kidding me? All right. He's so cute. The jaw, the lips he's like he looks like he's off the cover of a romance novel,
1: and his girlfriend Hannah that he had at this time, she is absolutely gorgeous too. Of course she is. And you put is. them together and you're just like, oh my gosh, you guys are so cute. Picture perfect. Oh. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shout out. I love it. Yes. Like he said, he loved old music. I think some of the reason why many people called him an old soul was because you could go to Grant for any anything. And he would always give really good advice. And it was as if Grant had like lived a thousand lives and he had all of this life experience to pull from as like a teen. And so he just, he was a good, he was a good guy. Good guy. Stop saying was. Uh, I already know how this ends. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, Grant was also a loving son and brother to his sister Gracie. Um, At the time that this uh, case takes place, Grant was dating a girl named Hannah, and they had been dating for about two years. They had a really good relationship. Mm-hmm. Now, something that is very important to note about Grant is that he considered, he was considered to be a very godly man, and he put his family first. That, like, God was very important to him. He had a very strong relationship with God. He went to church. They, Him and his sister attended a Christian school. Right on. Um that was, you know, that was something that was very important to him. Um, through my research, I think it's safe to say that the most important things in Grant's life were his relationship with God and his relationship with his mom, his sister, and then his girlfriend, Hannah. Like, those are probably his top priorities in yeah. life. Now, uh, the... Uh, church that they went to was called Grace Chapel Church, and then the uh, school they went to was called Grace Christian Academy. And they were semi-related; like the church, the pastor, or the old pastor of the church branched off and started the academy. Okay, but they aren't technically. I I don't think they're under the same. They like, hold hands, but they don't live in the same house. Yeah, basically. Okay, don't come at me, church, because they're they're. Uh. We'll get into them. Okay. Now, unfortunately, Grant and even Gracie were forced to grow up much faster than they should have. This was due to their father's emotional abuse and, and control. There were other types of abuse, which I'll talk about in just a second, but they just they were forced to grow up way faster. Hmm. He his control, like we talked about with Angie earlier, his control extended to his children as they got older. Angie said that Aaron controlled when Grant would be able to use the bathroom, including pee and poop both. What? Yes. Now, if Aaron allowed Grant permission to go poop, but Grant couldn't poop, he would be forced to wait until his father would give him permission to go again. And this caused Grant to have so much anxiety that when Grant would go to school, he would force himself to not poop. Oh my so God. So that when he got home and his father gave him permission to go to the bathroom, he would be able to poop. Oh my God. You shouldn't have to think about that at any point in time. And no. When your bowels say, "Hey, we need to drop a load," you should be able to go drop a fucking load without thinking about it.
3: Cuz it's your body and it's it's not on a timetable that any other person would know. N- no.
1: This is not <sighs> Sheldon's freaking bathroom schedule here. Come on. I I can, I I I can't. This I makes have... me very angry. Yeah. Mm. Um, Angie says that after Gracie's birth in 2006, Aaron's abuse became physical. Mm -hmm. Many times after Grant and Gracie were put to bed, Aaron would beat her, allegedly. Um, She even said that Aaron's control increased during this time. He controlled how Angie would even mother Gracie, and he even made sure that he was the only one that gave Gracie every single one of her baths. He never let Angie do it. Oh, no. No, 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 mm-hmm. no, no. Stop mm-hmm. right here. Don't go a step further. Yeah. What, what you are thinking is exactly what I'm about to talk about. <laughs> Where's a pillow for me to scream <laughs> into? <laughs> uh, uh, right. When Gracie was four, she had the wherewithal to ask her mom if she would stop taking her to male doctors. When her mom asked her why, She said that the male doctors, when they would touch her, it made her feel uncomfortable because it reminded her how her father would touch her and she didn't like it. She's four. So she doesn't have the words or the knowledge to be able to be like, he's molesting me or he sexually assaults me. She doesn't know to be able to say that. And at this time, all Angie knows is that he's touching her in ways that are making her feel uncomfortable. Okay. Now, allegedly, Angie says that she did confront Aaron about it, and he didn't deny it, but <sighs> instead threatened her that if she ever tried to leave him or do anything about it, that he would just take the kids away from her and she'd never see them again. <sighs> yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I'm sure that would have held up in court, bud. The court system is going to piss you off today. Just... I have to leave the state. I have to leave. When I tell you you're going to get mad, and then you're going to get mad again. And then you're going to get fucking furious. Like ain't that just the way? Now Angie says that around 2008, she was desperate to look for help, but felt like she didn't have the opportunity since Erin had complete control over her entire life. Mm-hmm. She couldn't even get two seconds alone with a doctor, much less be able to like tell a friend what was going on. So sometime around 2009, when Grant was about seven, Angie found out that Aaron had not only cheated on her, but he had also hired prostitutes and had even been grooming underage girls, I think online, allegedly. How did she find this out? I'm not sure. I was not able to exactly figure out because we're going to come to, you're going to come to find out as we go through this case that like there is so much information that it's kind of hard to like, pinpoint where, where, a lot of the timeline. It's still an open case, so we don't have a full timeline yet. Yes, exactly. So Angie wanted to see a therapist, but the only way that Aaron would give her permission was if they went together and shockingly, he actually agreed. So okay. they started seeing Dr. Patel. I know, I was like, okay, I don't know how that happened, but it did. Hmm. Now, after a handful of appointments, Angie was diagnosed with PTSD that stemmed from her childhood and actually got worse after her marriage to Aaron. Huh. While Aaron was diagnosed with a sex really yeah so i'm not exactly sure like how long they went to therapy or if it really anything improved after this i'm going to go out on a limb and say that it didn't considering that we're talking about it today on the deadly faith podcast so wow uh, i'm going to guess that nothing really changed okay now we're going to jump ahead a few years. In January of 2011, Aaron actually became temporarily unemployed. His reasons for not working as an anchor uh, with, W—I uh, w, think it's WMV Nashville anymore, there aren't very clear. There are some conflicting, you know, uh, theories, basically. Okay. Not theories, but like accusations. Aaron says that he left voluntarily, but Angie says that she thinks he was forced to resign after inappropriate material was found on his Uh, work computer.
3: He was Allegedly. Never mind.
1: (laughs) Um, (sighs) We, I know we have to like watch our words, but... Damn it. I will say that he, uh, allegedly he was diagnosed with a sex sex addiction. Okay. I I don't think it's far off to think that there would be inappropriate material found on his work computer that is allegedly, that is just my opinion, that like those two... They're not far from each other. For sure. The dots are connecting. The math is mathing. I don't think opinion. it
3: was just solitaire, if you know what I mean. <laughs>
1: anyway, <laughs> Now, since Aaron is unemployed, this means Angie has become the sole breadwinner for the family. Even though she's the one bringing in all the finances, this doesn't change any. Thing when it comes to Aaron's control, and he still controlled every single penny that came in and went out of that house. Angie says that during this time, Aaron's behavior and mood got worse, and even became unpredictable. To throw another wrench into the situation, in June of 2012, Aaron's aunt passed away, and it seemed to like have a great impact on him. Shockingly, though, this aunt, uh, when she died, Aaron actually inherited a multi-million dollar trust. From what? Him, which was going to, yeah, which was going to start paying him out in a hundred thousand dollar monthly payments. Monthly, monthly.
3: How is this real? Fucking, is this the real monthly. world? Do we
1: live here? Yes, yeah, this is the real world. Real world, ain't
3: that just the way?
1: A hundred thousand dollar monthly payments, but unfortunately, he wasn't going to be getting these payments just yet. So he needed to find a job in the meantime. So he ended up getting a job in investment banking, but he wasn't there very long. Um, and he, I think, was he quit or got fired? It, we're not a hundred percent sure. Angie says um, he didn't work at that job for long because he was actually fired from his position for writing fraudulent checks, allegedly. <laughs> um, Aaron denies this, so just going to put that out there. Hmm. Now. As Grant got older, he ended up joining a Christian band with some of his friends, and Angie would even sing with them from time to time. <gasps> Precious. I know, right? So cute. Uh, one day when they were at practice and she showed up wearing sunglasses, one of the moms, it was pretty clear that Angie had a black eye. So one of the moms was like, hey, what happened? And after years of hiding the abuse, Angie couldn't hold back any longer, and she spilled her guts to this mother. This mom was amazing, and she got her in touch with a psychiatrist named Dr. Michael Reed. I'm not sure exactly how Angie was able to have these appointments with him, but she was able to start seeing him and confide in him everything that had been going on. Together, they came up with a plan for her to escape and get the children away from Aaron, but... This was going to take time. If you are familiar with domestic violence situations, it's not a, I'm going to wake up and choose to leave today and I get to leave, especially when there's kids involved. It is usually like a strategic type situation that needs to be strategically planned, money saved, a plan. to years of planning and saving. Yes, there needs to be. And almost manipulating the abuser in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know? I think that's really a good way of putting it because you're—it's a survival. It is mechanism that you're trying to get that's out. The only type of manipulation that we support yeah, on I this thousand percent support. Yeah. <laughs> Manipulate, abuse One us. thousand Manipula- percent. Put that on a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. God, right. Uh. Now, during this time of her having appointments with Dr. Michael Reed, Gracie confided in her mom about more abuse she had been experiencing by the hands of her father, Aaron. In January of 2013, Gracie told Angie that Aaron had been sexually abusing her. Specifically, she said that he would put things inside of her and it hurt. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, this was, like, at the age of seven. Oh, my God. Um, She wasn't exactly sure what was going on, but instinctually, she knew that it was wrong and she didn't like it. Yeah. If I remember incorrectly, like, one of them was, like, when he would, like, bathe her in the bathtub, like, trigger warning. Okay. okay, Trigger warning. When he would, like, bathe her in the bathtub, he would, like, insert the bar of soap (gasps) into her vagina. Okay. Firstly, I... No. And secondly, that's bad for the pH. You, yeah, like that. I wonder if she that's got, not uh, only like painful at seven years old, but also It can cause you to have infections and yeah, horrible things. Absolutely. Oh, mm-hmm. her baby, can you imagine getting a yeast infection at seven? I yeah, I, that is I, not common. <laughs> no, uh, I can't. I oh, my mommy heart just I can't imagine what I would have felt in that moment. My junior for mommy my child. heart hurts. And, I'm not even mm-hmm. a mommy. I'm just a mommy junior. Absolutely. And Angie is, of course, absolutely disgusted and heartbroken for Gracie. She continues to work with Dr. Michael Reed, putting together all the strategic piece, pieces together um, to get her and the kids away from Aaron. She wanted to be able to keep these plans and notes about like what steps needed to be taken next secret and away From Aaron, like in a place that he couldn't easily access. And so the best place that she had that he couldn't get to very easily was her phone. And so trying to like hide them within an app on her phone. And so she did this, but unfortunately, one day she left the house to go pick up the kids from school. He didn't go with her and she accidentally left her phone at home. She realized on the way to the school, but by the time she got to the school, picked up the kids and came back, she came into the door. And found Aaron in the bathroom with her phone flushing her phone and destroying it, oh and my God, telling her like he had found he had found her plans, oh my God, and many times Aaron had threatened to take the kids away from her, and between this and the physical abuse, the emotional abuse, and he'd been trying desperately to escape, but Aaron finding out, she felt stuck, like now he knows like I have no way out, I don't know what to do. So Angie just decides, I just need to comply to keep myself and my kids safe. Like, keep him happy and just comply mm-hmm. and try to keep moving forward one day at a time. Time passes, but of course the abuse never stops. Um, in May of 2013, Aaron attempted to kill Angie by allegedly trying to strangle her with a hair dryer cord. Oh my God. Grant was Yeah. Grant was home during this and he saw what happened. (sighs) And they believe that since he was there and he saw that was the only reason that Aaron stopped strangling Angie. Wow. Now, after the assault, Angie decided, like this is like directly after the assault, Angie decided not to call the cops. Her reasonings were that she was afraid that Aaron would be able to somehow take the kids away from her and she didn't want to put Grant in the position where he was going to have to like testify against his father in court. Hmm. So she again, like she's hid all the abuse before. She was just going to hide this. But Aaron, on the other hand, this triggered something in Aaron. And he took this like 13,000 steps farther. I think it scared him like him assaulting Angie in such a way that it could have killed her. And now this gave her ammo to come back and fight oh. at him and, and like charge him with something. Okay, And he didn't know that she wasn't calling the cops. And so he decided to protect his own ass. God, I swear, this man. So the same day of the assault, just a little bit later, Aaron called Angie's parents and a hospital and told them that she had tried to take her own life. Ah. Uh, mm-hmm. This resulted in Angie being taken to Parthenon Centennial Hospital in Nashville, and since Aaron was alleging that she had attempted suicide, she was forced to be admitted into the hospital and be evaluated by the doctors. Oh wait, now, this could at be the a hospital, good thing. Angie explained, right? Okay, never mind. You know it. It could. There's a lot of moments where you're gonna be like, "Is this the moment where it all changes? Is this the moment?" That well, I thought know, it was just, when she had the plan it,
3: uh, <laughs> with the with the therapist,
1: and hey. you just you <sighs> keep like we are so far. You keep dragging me in, and then, yanking me back. Just know that there is a reason why there is calls to action at the end of this case. Okay, so like there is no happy ending okay. right now. I'm just like you're gonna you're gonna be frustrated. I know. Through. <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> so. She gets evaluated by the doctors. She's explaining everything about what was going on um, and her situation. And the doctors believed her that all the doctors and the nurses told her that, you know, you need to get a restraining order in place and you need to divorce this man as soon as possible. And I'm pretty sure Angie in her head was like, no nah, shit, Sherlock, I'm trying, <laughs> you know, but it's a lot harder than just put a restraining order in place and get a mm-hmm. divorce. Like, there's way more eggs in this basket. Also, at this doctor's office, or, doctor, or being her time being in this hospital for the quote-unquote attempted suicide, mm-hmm. they had written in her medical report that the doctor had spoken with the psychiatrist, Dr. Michael Reed, and that doctor informed the hospital doctor that, yes, he was seeing Angie, and they were a patient of his, and that, yes, she was in a domestic violence situation, and they were putting together a plan and trying to get her out of the situation. And that is in, that is documented in the medical notes. That is 100% fact. Okay. Now the same report also states that Angie was not suicidal or that there was any evidence that she had ever even attempted to take her own life. So plain black and white. Yeah. Aaron lied, you know, keep that in the back of your head. It's here. So Angie gets to go home on May 11th and If I'm understanding the story correctly, this next part happens like the morning of May 12th. So I think she came home the night of May 11th. And then this next part happens the end of, or the, yeah, the night of May 11th going into the morning of May 12th. So as Angie's home now, she is sleeping in her room. And that night, Aaron had the idea of having a camp out with the kids in their living room. The next morning, he woke up the kids pretty early and told them that they were going to go get donuts for their mom. But to be quiet, like, it's a surprise. We don't want to wake her up. Now, of course, this excited the kids. And so they were like, oh, let's surprise mommy with donuts. Like, let's do this. So they sneak out of the house and get in the car. But as they're driving, Aaron just drives right past the donut shop and the kids begin to freak out (sighs) because they understand. Daddy lied to us. Something's wrong. They were already scared of Aaron. They already didn't like him because of all of the abuse. And so Gracie is in the backseat. She's freaking out. She's crying. Aaron's asking him, or uh, Grant's asking him, like, what are you doing? What's going on? They're both just like hysterical. And Aaron tells them, like, you're never going to see your mom again. (gasps) Grant leans over. Yeah, he fucking says that. Grant leans over to try to literally open the door of the car. Like, he didn't want to be around Aaron so bad that he was willing to throw himself out of a moving car. Wow. And as the kids were freaking out, Aaron was going faster and faster. Oh, my God. And so, Grant goes to open the vehicle, but Aaron grabs his arm really hard and pulls him back in. And I think that's when he told him, like, you're never going to see your mom again. And he hurt Grant's arm so bad that later on in years past when he would be like telling this story to like officials or to like people at the school or something like that. Gracie said that she could see him like reach over and grab his arm and just start rubbing it. And yeah. like it was telling the story. It would bring that pain back of like what he felt in that moment. Yeah. yeah. Angie wakes up to an empty house. She walks around. She can't find anybody. No one's answering their phones. She's calling over and over and over again. And she realizes that Aaron has finally done what he has threatened to do for years. He's taken the kids away from her. Also, I want to note that this was also the exact same day that Aaron started getting his $100,000 monthly payments. Are you kidding me? (laughs) No. I mean, this motherfucker, he's... Ooh, he's a piece of shit. Now Angie allegedly, he's a piece of shit allegedly. Okay. I think we could just say it. <laughs> I know he's a piece of shit. In my
3: opinion. <laughs> in both of our opinion. In the in the um, opinion of this so podcast. Aaron Solomon is a piece of shit. Sue me. Please don't. Anyway. <laughs>
1: Anyways. <laughs> I know, right? Please don't. Anyways, okay. So Angie's calling. Nobody's answering. She's freaking out. And so with nothing left to lose, like her kids are gone and she has nowhere else to turn. He's not answering his phone. She calls the cops and she files a police report and explains to them everything that's going on. Now, at first she's hopeful. Like now I'm finally getting police and authorities involved. Yeah. Like something's got to change. Something's going to change. But actually, they didn't do anything. They told her, "Uh, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. This is like, this is a matter for the courts. This is a custody matter. You're a custody matter. Sorry, not sorry. So after this, after the case is dropped, Angie decides to seek out a lawyer. But she ends up finding out that Aaron had actually already started paperwork and was filing for divorce from her. And trying to put in an order of protection against Angie for himself and the kids. Oh, my God. In this order of protection, he was trying to make it seem as if Angie is mentally ill and a danger to all of them. Mind you, she has the documentation. She fucking has the documentation from the hospital and from the psychiatrist that she is not mentally ill. Yeah, she's in a domestic violence situation. She did not try to take her own life and that she's in a domestic violence situation. Like, this is black and white. Now, unfortunately, uh, a month later at the divorce hearing, the judge didn't believe Angie. She may have had documentation from her hospital stay stating that she wasn't mentally ill or suicidal, but something that worked against her was the fact that Aaron had actually gotten her sister and her dad to testify on Aaron's behalf. Oh my God, how did he do that? The people she does not even have I, he, this man is so manipulative. I don't... This is like I, a nightmare. This is a horrible movie. We aren't even to Midway yet. Like we aren't even into Midway. When this, when I tell you this man is so manipulative, like he has all the white man audacity that you mm. can muster and he gets away with so much shit. It's frustrating. Now, um, this was devastating to Angie, of course, because these people don't know her. She did not have a good relationship with them and Aaron had manipulated them into being on her side and that went a long way in the court system. The judge ended up giving Aaron full custody Uh of the children and ordered that Angie go under a mental health evaluation. The judge even chose Angie's evaluator. So like he chose who was going to get to evaluate Angie. Now, after this, when it came time to make the decision of custody again, he threw out the entire report. He he didn't even like, he was like, whatever. Angie said that she believes that he threw it out because the report went directly against Aaron's narrative. The report was showing that she was a loving, caring, stable woman and mother. And that was complete opposite of what Aaron was claiming. So the judge threw it out, allegedly. Now. It's usually unheard of in domestic, you know, like uh, custody battles. It's usually unheard of for the father to get full custody of his children unless there's like well-documented abuse or neglect from the mother. And even when that stuff is documented, it's usually still favored with the mother. Like you have to do a lot to get, or it has to be a pretty like, especially in Southern States and we're in Tennessee. So... It's shocking that Angie from the get-go was not able to get any kind of custody with her kids, even shared custody. This is a theory that a lot of people have talked about is that it's definitely one of those um, good old boy situations because Aaron, being a WMV anchor, he was well-known within the community. He actually was friends with Bill Lee, the Governor of Tennessee, and they went to church together and It was noted that they sat by each other a lot uh, and so his status within the community was well known, that includes judges, police officers, and you know like I said, the governor himself she was fighting a losing battle from the get go literally the second she married him mhm yeah, and she he's getting a hundred thousand dollar monthly payments and so He's greasing some palms, allegedly. That's a theory. He has the money to. Or if anything, you know he can afford a good lawyer. That's the thing. Exactly, yeah. And his lawyer. Oh, his fucking lawyer. I don't know who it was, but... I mean, he did his job. But, like, he's a fucking asshole. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Now, none of you are going to be shocked, but Grant and Gracie's abuse escalated when they were under Aaron's sole care. And Angie was not able to see them until February of 2014. Months went by without her being able to see her kids. When she finally got to see them, she said that it was very clear that they had not been well taken care of. She said Gracie looked like she hadn't slept in days. Like it was just- Oh no. They were in a living hell, it looked like. In September of that very same year, 2014, Gracie told her mom that the sexual abuse- from her father had never stopped. One time during a FaceTime call with her, Gracie showed her mom bruises that she had in her inner thighs, and when Angie this motherfucker, when Angie went to Aaron and confronted him about it, he was like, "Oh, she got those from swimming." Ah, uh, motherfucker. Who 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 gets bruises on your inner thigh from swimming?
3: Are you stupid? Yes. Let me answer the question. Yes. Yeah, he
1: is. Absolutely.
3: You beef-witted barnacle brain idiot boy. Smooth brain. (laughs) Stupid.
1: Right? How do you... I'm not a swimmer. I am not (sighs) a swimmer. But like, I do not see how you could get bruises on your inner thigh. If I am wrong, comment over on our Instagram and tell us how you could get bruises from swimming on your inner thigh. If you're really bad at going off the diving board. But like, wouldn't the bruises be on the back of your leg or on the front? Like, let's say you belly flop in the water—that's what
3: I'm saying. Like, you would have to be like—I
1: <laughs> don't know—I'm trying to see like the position your body would have to be in to get bruises on both inner yeah. thighs. Like, even if you fell and did this weird body flop, it would be the inner thigh of one and then the it's outer fine. thigh she of had the a, other. A thigh master. It's not, that's like
3: in the pool. That's that was it. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's the only, and when I tell you this motherfucker is able to like circumvent science and and like, uh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. I'm jumping ahead, anyways. Okay. Over the years, Angie did not relent, though, and she fought for custody over and over and over again in the court system. She says that they had went to court over 200 times fighting for custody over Grant and Gracie. Angie had even sold her house and moved to a whole different county and filed motions there so that she could get a new judge to see if that would help. But it didn't. Since Aaron had had full custody of the children, Angie was forced to pay him child support. But he has- the multimillionaire. What? There's a- Trust me. I I know. I know. So Angie has to pay child support to the multimillionaire. And she is. But one month, I don't know exactly what happened, but one month she was not able to make the payment. And when they went to court- Aaron had his lawyer, like through his lawyer, got the judge to charge Angie. So he charged her with uh, not only civil, but criminal contempt of court. (laughs) And when he said this, she said, when the judge said this, she audibly can still hear all of her lawyers gasp. Because normally when this situation happens and you're behind on child support payments, you're given chance after chance after chance after chance. And like, it's not just like you miss one payment. And you're done for. You're, in, you're being held in contempt of court. Yeah. And it was Easter weekend. Oh my God. That she was forced to be held into contempt of court because she missed one payment. Like that's how vile this motherfucker is. I'm going to throw up on him, allegedly. Yeah. This was, yes, of course, her lawyer, his lawyer, so not directly him. But like, you know, that motherfucker was like, what can we do? You know, like, let's get her ass thrown in jail. Like, he's wanting to make Angie look absolutely awful. And he was successful at it for a really long time. It's just another way for
3: him to exert control while being away from her.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Now... For years, Angie had fought and lost over and over again with Aaron. So between April of 2015 and in 2018, she decided to just comply and try and keep Aaron happy. She'd really tried all of her other options and she was getting nowhere. So like, what else can you do? She said that Gracie actually started therapy and she seemed to be doing good and was even able to set some boundaries with her dad. Good. Even with these seemingly, you know, small glimmers of hope for Gracie, she and Grant both were still desperate to be living with their mom. They still didn't want to be living with Aaron. Uh, in 2018, a woman from Angie's church invited her out to lunch. When they met up, the woman pitched her a business opportunity with an MLM that this woman's like a part of, right? And Angie told her that there was no way that she could afford the startup fee and then just like broke down and told this woman everything. She told her about how her and Aaron had been fighting for custody for the, for the kids for years, how Gracie had been sexually abused, how the whole family had been emotionally and physically abused for decades by Aaron. She told this woman literally everything. Yeah. I I think she just like, was trying to probably, like, this is my opinion, but I think what happened was she was probably just trying to explain why she couldn't afford the startup fee and, like, how even $200 is, like, it's it's impossible. Like, I'm having to pay child support. It just, and like, snowballed. It, I think it just, like, opened the floodgates. Yeah, it just, like, and she was just, like, Because, like, like you vomits. feel like you have
3: to explain more and more and more of the story for it to make sense as to why the simple fact, yeah, mm-hmm. that your finances are now gone to
1: shit. Yeah, so after after this whole uh, thing, the woman encourages Angie to go to the school and church and inform them about what was going on, and hopefully they could offer some kind of help. Now, Angie did go to the school and the church, and she told them everything, including the fact that she was also concerned that Aaron was grooming young girls from the school on social media. Now, again, this is allegedly, none of this is confirmed, but it was one of Angie's concerns that she did inform both the school and the church about. Now, she was hopeful that this was going to change something, but unfortunately, it didn't. Now, some sources say that out there that the school and the church did nothing, but the church has come out and said that they did go with Angie to file a police report at the police department about the abuse. So I'm going to err on the side of like benefit of the doubt and I'm going to say yes. Okay, they went to the police station and they helped her file a report about this abuse. But based off of the church's statements that they personally have given, we know that this is literally all that they did. Like they helped her go to the you know, uh police station and file their police report once and that was it. That that was literally all they did. Um I understand that like there's not much they can do besides like letting the legal system sort it out. But there are safeguards that they could have put in place for the safety of the children, and they didn't. And I will get into that later. And so, like, well, not only
3: that, with all the people that probably tithes, tithes are supposed to go to that church's community. So, not just the people in the church, but people that come to the church that need help. So, you could offer to pay your lawyer fees. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. They did help financially. I think they did. They helped with like getting some new tires on her car and I think maybe groceries. I can't really remember. They did help financially a little bit. I don't know how much, but I I do know they did say they did help a little bit. My problem with the church is that they did not put safeguards in place Um, moving forward. That's the least they could do. (laughs) And yeah, and the way that they handled certain things with Gracie, and we'll talk about it, I feel like could have been handled a whole lot better. It's it's frustrating. Now we do know from Angie and Gracie that Grant did have some meetings with the pastor named Steve Berger. So he was the pastor of the church at this that they were going to. They said that these meetings were for the pastor to help Grant and for Grant to be able to like confide in him about what was going on. And Hannah, Higgs' girlfriend, confirmed that after one of these times he was meeting with Steve Berger, he told Hannah that he had told the pastor everything or had confided in him in some way, shape, or form about the abuse that they were enduring. But after all of this came out, the pastor said that he never talked about the abuse that they were enduring. He it was all all of these meetings were were for grant to get closer to God, thou shalt not lie. that was it, and I'm like are you are you sure about that? because they might have taken angie to the to the police station and filed this police report, but like did any of them contact c p s did any of them file any concerns on behalf of the children like they I don't know. I, every state's a little bit different. I don't know how Tennessees are, but a lot of pastors um, are like exempt from mandatory reporters. But that doesn't mean that you still not should not report it. You should still be reporting it, and that's a law that should not be in place anywhere in the fucking United States. Didn't think I'd have to write that one down for you guys. Mm-hmm. At this point, Gracie has become absolutely fed up. She is just sick of all of the abuse that she's been enduring especially the sexual abuse and she just starts confiding in many people about the abuse like her friends and stuff she just starts telling them what's going on now one day her dad came to pick her up at school for a doctor's appointment but Gracie didn't know that she had this doctor's appointment to go to and so she wasn't sure why her dad was picking her up and she got scared so she locked herself in the principal's office and then when the principal came in she told the principal like everything that was going on like completely confided in her oh my god and the principal said there's nothing i can do <laughs> um, if like there's nothing i can do i'll get i'll get in trouble and force gracie to get in the car and go with her dad
3: okay that was wrong there's got i don't know how the laws work
1: either but like that's i i will play devil's advocate because i Think at this. I don't know exactly the the timeline of this. I'm going to guess this was before, like you know, a- uh, Aaron still had full custody of her, but like legally, they can't keep Gracie from her father. They can't tell her, like keep her at the school. That could be considered kidnapping. They can't call DHR. I don't know. But like, why when these situations are happening and they're happening a lot, where this child is. Like immediate, like ter- like obviously terrified to go with him. Did you call CPS? Did you report this? Because all I have heard from the church is that they, you know, filed a police report. Okay, what about CPS? These t- these like the justice system—they don't all talk they to don't. each other. Okay, they should, and it should be better, but they don't. They
3: don't share the same systems either for like paperwork. If I was
1: in this school. And I was one of these pastors or leaders or principals, I would be following up on that report. I would be like, "What is being done? Like this child is coming to school and is terrified. What can we do? What legal ramifications like or what legal options do we have to protect this child? What, I, why was none of that done? And if it was done, why haven't you told us about it? See, and it's not because from what we're gathering, it didn't happen. It's not people slipping
3: into the cracks. It's that. We literally just like let things happen. It's not like by mistake that these things occur. We we
1: actively let it happen. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. And they also allowed Aaron to continue to attend school games and functions, knowing what he had done to Gracie. Like, yeah, he hadn't been charged with anything, but like, why? Like, this is a private school. This is a private church. You can set boundaries for the protection of the children Mm -hmm. and why wasn't why wasn't he protect like why wasn't she protected like why wasn't there a boundary in place that like you cannot attend after school programs or functions until all of this is settled within court or you know whatever like why was there I wonder if Aaron was charming or like if he is charming I bet he was um you will look at a picture of him but he ha- definitely does have that like manipulative type charming face you know the anchor
3: men they just like have this way about them most of the time that's very like
1: yeah yeah not animated i don't know you know what i mean mhm but also i will say and they have never said this or if they have i never came across it but i will say that It is important to remember that Aaron's getting $100,000 monthly payments. He is a multi-millionaire. And so what's 10% of $100,000? And is Aaron tithing? Ah! Is is Aaron tithing every month? Why would you say this? It all makes sense now. Is he? I don't know. The church does come out and say he was not a member. No, sir, he was not a member of our church. Okay, motherfucker, that's semantics. He attended your church every goddamn Sunday, and he sat by the damn Bill Lee, the governor Mm -hmm. of Tennessee. He just didn't sign the paper and go through the membership class. (laughs) He still considered that his church home and you his pastor. So, like, sit on a cactus, goddamn. Yeah, go sit and sit. off. gross. So, at school, Gracie had confided in some of her friends, and it— You know, it's classmates, so it's going to happen. It starts to trickle out, and the rumors start spreading. And kids are like, "What the hell is this?" So some kids were going home and asking their mom and dad about like what sexual abuse. And so then the parents are calling the school, like, "What's going on? My kid is coming home telling me this is happening." So then the school has a meeting with the with Angie, and in this meeting which I will link it in the show notes so you guys can actually like go and listen to it yourself. And I'll actually put a timestamp. Um, Kindle Ray on YouTube covered this case really well. And she actually has recordings within her YouTube video. And so I'll put timestamps where you can actually Kendall, go I love you. and, and uh, <laughs> listen to this. I know I love Kindle. If I could meet her one day, I would just like, so I'd be speechless, yeah. Um. Okay, so she's in this meeting with these Principals, leaders, and stuff like that. And they are telling her, she's recording, Angie's recording this, and they're telling her that they're concerned for Gracie because of Gracie's reputation, because this stuff is going to follow her. Reputation. And, and kids can, kids can be mean and, and this, like, they they want her to stop talking about it. They want her to stop telling people about it and stop talking to her friends about it because it's going to ruin her reputation. That that's what they're worried about.
3: They're worried about her virtue.
1: No, that, like, let's like fuck what's actually happened to her. Like, fuck the trauma that she is uh, endured. and actively enduring. Let's worry about her reputation. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. It okay. Let me put it into <laughs> clearer words. Then like they, they were mishmashing all around, just like trying to not say it. I'm just going to come out and say it. Um, the parents are calling us and it's making us feel uncomfortable and they really don't know how, how to, or we don't really want to handle this situation. So like we would really like it if Gracie would just stop talking about her abuse. Thank you. That's what they meant. That was 100% what they meant. You gruel mongering, gorger, gross person. Yeah. In, Early May of 2018, Angie had a meeting with Williamson County Sheriff Jeff Long. She told him all about the different types of abuse that her, Gracie, and Grant had experienced because of Aaron, along with her concerns that he was possibly grooming students from Grace Chapel Academy on social media. Now, since there were allegations of sexual abuse, Gracie and Grant both had to undergo a forensic examination and like forensic interviews. At the examination, they told the authorities in great detail what had been going on. But at the next custody hearing, the judge didn't even watch the fucking forensic interviews with Gracie or Grant and just basically dismissed it.
3: What is the point in having evidence at all?
1: If you're not even going to fucking look at it? Does this judge know how to judge? This judge should be fucking sacked, in my opinion. Many, I don't even know if this was all one judge. I think it's just like multiple judges. They all should be fucking sacked because like, this is ridiculous.
3: Where did they get their 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 judge degrees or
1: whatever the hell it is? (sighs) A Cracker Jack box, apparently. With no toy inside. In August of that same year in 2018, Gracie and Aaron took Grant and dropped him off at a baseball tournament a few hours away from home. After they dropped him off... They, Aaron decided to just get a hotel room um, instead of like just driving back home the hour or two. When they get to this hotel room, Gracie asked him for two beds like she wanted her own bed. But Aaron got a single bed and made her share the bed with him that night. And he assaulted her. He raped his daughter. I have no words. She should have never been in his custody. She should have been taken out of his custody forever ago. So. Out of desperation, Gracie decided to record a video outlining all of the abuse that she had endured by her father. And her hope was that at the next custody hearing, she would get the judge to watch it and show him the reality of the situation and how she was being assaulted and, and, and abused. Mm -hmm. Her hope was that if he could watch this video, that he would sway his custody decision toward Angie. Now, of course, Aaron denies all and Everything. I I didn't do any of that. That never happened. And the judge just decided to fucking take Aaron at his word, and he refused to watch the video that Gracie had made or the video of the forensic interviews where Gracie and Grant had, like, outlined everything that they had done a few months prior to this. (sighs) Okay, firstly, throughout this whole thing,
3: go Gracie, advocating for herself. Like...
1: Top tier. This girl. This is... It's going to get better for, like, her... Somebody... uh, mm, I commend Gracie on so many levels. She should
3: never have to work a day in her life. Ever. Oh, no, right? right. Ever. She should always have anything she wants to eat at any time and have the prettiest dresses in the world. At all times. Mm -hmm. She should get his father's, her father's multi-million dollar estate and he should And all the back money from it, too. That she never had before. She should just have all of it. Every fucking penny.
1: Now, a month later, on September 16th, 2018, the judge finally agreed (laughs) to watch the video from the forensic interview, but didn't even watch it in its entirety. But even just watching a little bit of it, he was like, okay. And he decided to finally grant Angie custody of Gracie and Grant. Okay. Now, before you get too excited, he quickly goes back on his word. And he's like, eh, actually, Gracie, Angie can have custody of Gracie. But Grant has to stay with Aaron because he's a big boy and he can handle himself. He's still a child. He literally, I'm not even kidding. He literally said that he's a big boy and he can handle himself. I hate everything that's happening. I hope you Slip on a razor blade. You can go kiss a jellyfish. (laughs) Now, this was absolutely devastating, especially to Grant. He might not have been the one that was being sexually abused, but Aaron still controlled every fucking part of Grant's life. At this point, Grant was nearing the end of his high school years, and he, like, this was a little bit after this, but he had applied to many universities and he actually got multiple acceptance letters. But when they came in the mail, Aaron would hide them because he told Grant that he wasn't going to go anywhere except Harvard. What? I'm sorry. Last time I checked, it's fucking hard to get into Harvard. And so let talk about some pressure. I'm so, I'm so confused. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to Harvard. Why Harvard? Because it's all about image. Oh my God. Down to making sure that when they were kids they were matching to now he wants his son to be at Harvard because you say the word Harvard and you're like Oh, they know what they're doing. Wow.
3: hmm Wow. Okay. hmm This is giving like Cinderella story vibes where like stepmom <sighs> tears up the uh college acceptance letters. Yes, yes. With the cookies. Yes.
1: You want a oh cookie? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. With uh, Hillary Depp. Yes. And who one. is that lady that <sighs> gives her the cookie? That plays her stepmom? Oh, my God. She's in Legally blood. Oh, I so cannot moist, remember her name. You know?
3: <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh I don't know her name, but, like, I love her. I wish she would narrate my life.
1: I know, right? Oh, my God. The chaos of it would be amazing. I love it. Okay. Angie's not done with her custody battle, though. Like, yeah, she may have Gracie, but she's like, I I want Grant. Like, she knows how bad the situation is. So, in February of 2019, she decided to try and get custody of Grant. Gracie had been with her for a while. She was doing a lot better. Good. Uh, But when she went to file for custody for Grant, the judge ended up dismissing the filing and actually barred Angie from filing any motions against Aaron for six years. The judge even called, yes, the judge even called Angie an abusive litigant, which means like she's just trying to like take advantage of the legal system for her own gain. She's
3: mm-hmm. trying to get her fucking kids away from an abuser. Are you stupid? Allegedly. Uh, uh, yes. Ugh. I can't even say ain't
1: that just the way because it's not the way. It's never been the way.
3: Mm-mm. Ugh.
1: No, Yeah. At this point, all options have been exhausted. Like she's barred from the legal system. Like I didn't know you could do that to somebody. Yeah, yeah. Apparently can. So Grant, it's very clear that Grant's not going to get out of his father's custody. Like he's stuck with his dad. So they just try to live life as best they can. But Hannah Grant's girlfriend said that Grant had told her. Multiple times, and he told other people as well that when he turned 18, he was going to expose his father for what he did to him, his sister, and his mom. Yeah. Unfortunately, Grant would never get this opportunity. So in 2020, Grant was 18 and was pursuing baseball full time. Grant had a lot of conflicting emotions about turning 18 and becoming an adult because, yeah he He'd missed out as on his entire childhood, and I think turning eighteen mm-hmm. like he he realized that like I'm an adult now, but at the same time, like I never got a childhood, and he was kind of mourning the fact that he didn't get a childhood, but that didn't stop him. He was like, "I'm still gonna you know fight and for fight to protect Gracie. I think he was worried about what would happen to Gracie when he left the home because Angie's now barred from filing anything against Aaron but Aaron can still file stuff against Angie. So now that Grant's out of the house and he's no longer able to be as controlled or controlled at all, would Aaron turn him his, you know, desire to get Gracie back under his control. Yeah. And Grant was scared about this. And so Grant, uh he had actually already started down the road of trying to file for custody of Gracie for himself. <gasps> yeah. He wanted to get custody. I'm not going to cry. I'm not fucking crying. I I know, don't. You'll make me cry. I'm not kidding.
3: That's not his fucking job, but like, oh my God. It's not. But like, not to say he doesn't have the right to, because he does. This is his sister. He loves her, but
1: God. uh, mm -hmm. No 18-year-old should have to be deciding to like fight for custody of their sibling because their fucking dad is a douchebag. (sighs) unfortunately, on July 20th of 2020, the unthinkable happened. That morning, Grant and Aaron supposedly had an appointment at Ward Performance Institute. It was like a baseball training facility in Gallatin, Tennessee, the night before Grant had been staying with his mom. And right before he left that morning, he actually told her, quote, I don't want to die in Gallatin today, end quote. Now, His mom was not like alarmed when he said this, but it was because Grant had just gotten over COVID and he was still recovering. This was like fresh COVID. Like this is mid 2020 and his lungs were still recovering. He was not back to his like full capacity. And now he's going to be forced to go to the, you know, baseball training place and exert himself. And like, that's, I'm sorry, very dangerous, not a wise choice, but he didn't feel like he had an option. And so he left. I think I think his mom actually asked him, like, just don't go. But he didn't feel like he had an option. So he went. Now, when he arrives, um, he pulls into the parking lot and his dad is already there, parked at the front of the parking lot by this facility. And he parks beside him. Now, according to Aaron, Aaron looks up and sees Grant get out of the vehicle and go to walk around to get his like baseball equipment. Aaron then looks back down at his phone. He said he wanted to check to see if he had any work emails that came in that he needed to reply to. After he does this for a few seconds, he looks back up and Grant's truck is no longer there. It's gone. So he gets out of the vehicle and he's trying to find the truck. And he realizes that the truck had rolled back into the ditch and Grant was underneath it. So he calls 911. Okay, so I've decided I'm going to play the 911 call. And I want you guys to listen to it before I comment about it. I'm going to actually play it off my phone. This I will link it in the show notes below. And it's, again, in that same video that Kendall Ray did. And I will put the timestamp where you can find just the 911 call. Okay?
2: Where is your emergency? It's... 1357 South Water Street, it's off 109. Please hurry.
0: You said 57? Please hurry. Okay, what's going on?
2: 1357. Uh, my, my son's truck backed over him, and he, he, it's rolled over him and dragged him into the ditch, and it's on top of him. He's trapped under the truck, and I, 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 somehow it drug him underneath it. Yes, my son is under it. I'm trying to, no, I'm, I'm trying to call 911. My name is Aaron Solomon. And you said oh you're my at
0: 1357 South Water Avenue, right? Yes. How old yes. is the male?
2: He's 18. He just turned 18 a couple of weeks, about a month ago. Oh my God! This is not good.
0: Is he awake? Can oh, come please come hurry! You?
2: I don't. know. I don't think so. He's not. Oh, uh, he's not alert, right? No, he's out and he's trapped. I got three guys here and he's trapped under the truck.
0: I understand, sir. Stay on the phone Meanwhile, me while we get somebody out there. What's your name?
2: Aaron Solomon.
0: What kind of vehicle is it?
2: It's a Toyota Tacoma, Tacoma and it the, the vehicle has to, he's underneath the vehicle.
0: Okay, I and, and,
2: and it's that's my son. He, it's somehow backed up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on I'm on, I'm on with 911 right now. Oh, my God!
0: Was your son working on it?
2: No, no, he was just getting out of it. It's the hill it's we're on an incline, and I guess he didn't have it in park or something or it wasn't engaged or Is oh my your God, I can't believe was not responding. No, no.
0: And he's still under the no. truck. No one can get him yes. from under it. No, he, it's we no. saw units and rounds to you. I'm just asking you questions before we can uh, update him, OK?
2: Somebody's telling me that he's coming, too.
0: OK. Maybe. He is, he is waking up kind of, kind of keeping still. So he is well, he can't. Yeah, he can't
2: move. I don't think he can move. I, I don't know.
0: Okay. No, he can't move his trap. Okay, we got somebody in round. Now when he wakes up he might I'm be telling scared. him there. Can somebody I'm telling can come him. There and talk to him.
2: Yeah, somebody talked to him. There's blood is he facing up or down? He's facing up. They said he may ask for it. We need to hurry.
0: So does he have blood coming out
2: of his mouth? Yeah, he's, yeah. There's blood coming out. Yeah, somehow it drug him down. I think. I don't know whether it wasn't in part or what, or if it didn't engage the brake, or it drug him underneath somehow. Okay. They said he's facing up. Okay. But he's bleeding from his mouth. So Grant, turn your face to the side if you can, barely, but be careful.
0: Don't move him, okay? We can't.
2: We can't move him. <laughs>
0: He's in there there. I'm
1: gonna let you go, okay? Yeah, okay. okay. All right. Okay. So
3: I'll Lola. tell you right off the bat, that was face <laughs> hell. <laughs> right? You don't focus. That was my first you don't say three different times something about the parking brake. You don't and then yeah. you you don't know which way he's facing, like which way he's laying. You don't know. Did you not assess the situation? Did you not try to pull the vehicle off them of yourself? Because like as a dad you're like, that's my
1: fucking child. how are you not more panicked? That is your like I know it I know everyone reacts differently, no. but uh, d- uh t- turn your head to the side. What? Yeah, like it sounds <laughs> forced. Like his 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 small panic that you do hear sounds very forced. Like I understand that we all react differently in times of situations, but... There's something inherently true, though, about a parent knowing that their child is in
3: danger, like that death is approaching. Like there's something
1: in you. Now you're going to question more of this 911 call (sighs) as we go into how the case was handled and the inconsistencies, because... Great. You're, you're going to get mad. Wait, can I ask just real quick? So mm-hmm.
3: this play, this, uh, whatever you called it, athletic building that they were at? Yeah. Did they have cameras? Yeah. Cameras at all? No. In the parking
1: lot? No. It's fucking no 2020. Cameras. Come on. Uh-huh. No okay. cameras. And the people that were there that morning did not see anything that happened. Like they didn't see anything. So proceed to the route. There, there's so many inconsistencies. Ugh, okay. Um, on top of that, nine one one call being a hella suspicious, Aaron confirms that he never went down to the the ditch to check on his son. Nope. Yeah. Also, those three witnesses that he says in the nine one one call that were apparently there, not one of them could be cooperated. Not one. Not one of them has come forward. And this case has been like viral for at least eight months at this point. by the time you guys hear it, maybe even a little longer. But not one of those three people that that we know of have been able to be cooperated in any way, shape, or form. Wow. As the authorities arrived on the scene, though, they worked diligently to try and rescue Grant. Unfortunately, though, his injuries were just too severe and he didn't make it. Angie was notified of the accident and she rushed to the hospital. She says that when she arrived, Aaron allegedly said to her, quote, we will be a family now. (gasps) <gasps> End quote. I, 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 excuse me? No,
3: what? This is a horror film. This this is a, yes. an actual, like, horror film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, we do know that Grant had massive blunt force trauma to the back of his head that resulted in a large laceration and a skull fracture. He also had bruising— Does that happen from getting run over? Mm, well, we'll see. He also had bruising to his jaw, left hip, and his right thigh. Now, according to Aaron's story, Grant would have received this blow to the back of his head when he was at the bed of his truck and and getting his gear. And then the truck started to roll backwards on top of him and like knocking him to the ground in the parking lot. Like that's where he would have been gotten this massive blunt force trauma to the back of his head. And also he would have been drug underneath the truck all the way through the parking lot, and then landing in the ditch with the truck on top of him. Shockingly, though, Aaron declined an autopsy yeah, uh, or any post-mortem examination for Grant. He gave yeah. the police his statement about what happened, and then they just closed the case, and it was an accident. Just a tragic accident. No, it wasn't. No, no, it was not. I think we can all agree on that. And let's get into all the inconsistencies. So here's a lot of the questions and inconsistencies that people have, you know, brought up. Okay. So first off, neither Aaron nor Grant had an appointment at the baseball training facilities that day. Oh. No appointment. So why did Aaron tell them they had an appointment when they didn't have an appointment? Aaron states that Grant is getting his baseball equipment from the bed of his truck, but Grant never kept his equipment there. It was always kept in the back seat behind the driver's door. So why was he at the back of his truck if this is how the story, how he actually got ran over?
3: Mm -hmm.
1: One of Grant's baseball bats was missing from his bag and to this day has never been found. And most importantly, Aaron's account of what happened doesn't match the evidence at the scene. For Grant to get that blunt force trauma on the back of his head... Like I said earlier, it would have had to have happened in the parking lot where the truck initially started to roll over him and pushed him to the ground. There was not one drop of blood in the parking lot. Not one. The only blood that was found at the scene was on the rocks around Grant's body where they you know, rescued him from and inside his truck. How? How is there blood inside the truck? Someone please do that magic trick for me because how did his blood get from his dead body underneath the truck to inside his truck? Now, if we want to play devil's advocate, we could say, oh, his father went to comfort him or check on him and touched him and got blood on him, but then got in the truck to do something and and got it there. But he didn't. Exactly. he didn't. His dad, he he didn't go down and check on him. So... (sighs) How? And also, Grant, uh, not Grant, uh, Aaron kept saying that like it must have popped out of park and into reverse. Okay, let's just say that that magically happened. So, like, he would have had to have gone down, checked on his son, gotten blood on him, and then gotten into the vehicle that is currently on top of his son and put it into park. Because when the, the rescue team arrived, the truck was found in park. What do you know what year his, uh, Tacoma was? Mm, It was a newer one, like a a much, I say much newer, but I would say like mid-2010s, probably somewhere around there. Okay. It was nice. So, (sighs) are you looking at the gear shifter? Yeah. Okay. So, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. Can we talk about that? Because that doesn't happen with these. Angie, Angie was like asking him after all of this, right? She's asking him questions. Like, how did this happen? Explain this to me. Like, I'm confused. And she's actually recording him. He doesn't know that he's being recorded, but she's recording him. And he's answering the questions, like explaining the whole story, what we just talked about. And at one point in the video, you actually see him go over to the truck and he's like fidgeting with the gear shifter, right? And she's asking him what he's doing. And he says, like, he's trying to see if it would, like, pop out into reverse. But with the way that these gear shifters work is it's, it's not like a, a line. Like my, um, Honda Odyssey, it's just like click a button and it's just down into whatever position. You pull forward or backward, but these are like, yeah, uh, they have the little a maze. The
3: maze. That's a good way to put it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you would have had to push it over and then push it back for it to just yeah. pop out of park and into reverse. And he tried to like make it stay All while holding down the button that like releases the gear. Yes, and he tried to make it stay in that little position that's like like where you'd have to push it over, uh-huh. but it wouldn't even stay there. It just like automatically wants to fall back into park. Why? Because that's a safety mechanism. It's a safety mechanism. Listen, Toyota
3: is a great brand. Not a sponsor, but I'd love to be. Like, mm-hmm. excellent safety ratings. Love a good Toyota.
1: Yeah. If you want to sell it, you want to send us a free product and test your car, <laughs> sure. Okay. We're down. I, <laughs> guess, I guess we could do that for you. Um, okay. So, you can hear in this video, he's like, oh, my God. How did this happen? And he's so baffled. <laughs> okay. He's just like, I don't know. I, it's, it's a mystery. Okay, his son was just fucking murdered. And he has no idea why his truck just like magically backed up. But he refused to get the truck examined. And the cops never collected the truck's black box, which I did do some Googling. And a lot of vehicles nowadays, especially newer ones, do have an event recording system within the vehicle in today's vehicles. And so I actually have a quote. It says, quote, unless the vehicle is very old, it is likely that there is an event data recorder or black box in every car on the road today. Event data records are records are standard in many vehicles manufactured by Ford, Chrysler, GM, Toyota, Nissan, and Honda. That was from like Uh, shit. I didn't write down the website. That was from a website. Okay. Come up with that. (laughs) I believe you. Uh, but that was, that was written in March 13th, March 13th of 2023. So that was recent. Like, so there are these black boxes and you would think the, the Gallatin police would be like, Oh my gosh, this truck just magically started rolling backwards. And that's a, that, that's a huge problem. Uh huh. So like, We should collect the black box and figure out, like, what happened, because in my opinion, that's a huge malfunction. And we should let Toyota know, because, like, for sure, they might want to do a a recall. I'm just guessing, right? No. The Gallatin Police Department did not take the black box, and Aaron refused to have the truck examined. Oh, Aaron. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, gee, I wonder why. Why would you not want it examined? Aaron, where's that baseball bat? Mm Mm-hmm. So, there's those incons- inconsistencies, mm-hmm. but also let's we'll talk about uh, Grant's body. So, Grant was underneath the car face up. Okay. So, he says that in the 911 call. He says that the body was under the passenger side of the car face up, but within police reports and photos from the scene, it shows that Grant was under the driver's seat of the car. Like the driver's side of the car face up. Now I'm not a scientist, so I don't know like right side, left side of the car, like if that really makes a difference on, you know, what, what that really says about the scene or what doesn't. But it is just another one of those inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. Also, Grant's glasses, they were found on the sidewalk side of the ditch. So you have the parking lot and then the grass and ditch, and then the sidewalk, and then the street. Okay, so that's kind of how it goes. And it does kind of slope down. And so there isn't a slight hill. So that kind of gives credence to like, if it was rolling, it could have rolled yeah. into the ditch. But we will post pictures, and I want you to go look at them. In my head, if he was overtaken in the parking lot by the truck going backwards, wouldn't his glasses have fallen off in the parking lot? Not in the sidewalk. That's like way farther away from where the park truck initially uh, supposedly impacted him. Because the only way in my head that the, the the glasses could have landed right there on the sidewalk was that if he was hit from in front. Yeah. And if you look at the if you look at the pictures of the way the truck is in this ditch. It looks like the truck went forward, not backwards. A thousand percent. If it, no, there's no way this could have gone backwards. The angle that it's at. Exactly. See? And there's also evidence that the truck was pushed into the ditch, didn't roll backwards into the ditch. And we'll also post that picture. You can see tire impressions behind one of the back tires, meaning Mm. that it literally was going forward, not going backwards. Now, one of the things that the investigators like at the scene said that gave evidence that the truck did go backwards is the bumper, the back bumper of the truck is bent. But rescue efforts were there first, not police. And so the Toyota has made a statement saying that those bumpers are designed to tweak very easily from even the smallest, you know, little bump, you know, thing. They're, they're, they're made to like take that impact and tweak and things like that, I guess. I'm not a car person. But they said it easily could have been when they picked up the truck to get Aaron out from underneath because I think they picked up the front of the truck, which would have made that that back bumper hit the sidewalk and tweak it in some way, shape or form. And but that was there. That was the police's evidence to be like, see, it was an accident. The attorney general said it was a crime scene, but the Gallatin Police Department did not treat it that way. After he was rescued from underneath the truck and transported to the, to the hospital, his hat, his glasses, and his phone was left on the sidewalk sidewalk and not considered to be pieces of evidence. They literally took this man's word of like it was an accident, and they were like, "Oh my God, we believe you." Oh my God. After all of this takes place later that year in 2020, you know, people like Gracie and Angie are already suspicious. Like I think they were suspicious from day one and they try, Gracie tried to actually get a restraining order against her father, but she was denied. And in October of 2020, one of Angie's friends filed a motion on Gracie's behalf, outlining all of the emotional and sexual abuse that Gracie had endured. But the court dismissed it saying that it lacked merit. Angie's friend had to file this on Gracie's behalf because Angie wasn't allowed to because she'd been barred for six years. Mm hmm. Now, after the accident, Aaron let Grant's truck just sit in his driveway. It just sat there for months and Angie kept an eye on it. And also Angie had hired a private investigator. Um, Just within a couple months. Go Angie. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. She hired a private investigator, and they were able to like get the incident report, the police crash report, the medical examiner's report. They got all of those, and they concluded that from their findings, there's no way that Grant was able. Or Grant died in the way that Aaron is claiming. Like that is not how this, you know, went off. So, bare minimum there are way too many inconsistencies and way too many things that point to the fact that there's no way that Grant died in the way that Aaron is claiming. So he leaves that truck, right? He leaves the truck in his in his uh, driveway for months and months and months. And then all of a sudden, one day, Angie realizes it's gone. She's like, where is it? Where's this truck? So her private investigator does some digging and he uncovers that... Um, <laughs> Aaron sold it to a scrapyard and had even reported that the truck had been totaled and he collected an insurance payout on it. Yes, this multimillionaire collected an insurance payout on a truck that, kills. that he said was totaled, but oh was not God. totaled. It was not totaled. No. At all. Um, ladies and gentlemen, that is what we call insurance fraud. He literally profited
3: too off of. He did. A murder.
1: And I'm like, okay, if this is the thing, I hope this is the thing that nails his ass and he gets charged and, and he, we see justice for this. Because if this is the thing, if this is the thing that nails his ass, I'm going to laugh an evil, diabolical laugh because his, you know, and we'll record um, it for you guys to hear. <laughs> <laughs> He's so. Greedy. Like, I'm sorry. There's nothing but greediness there that you're going to commit insurance fraud to get a payout on this truck when you get $100,000 monthly payments from a multi-million dollar trust that you have. And you, it is highly suspected that you murdered your son with that truck. And then you're going to go and commit another crime with that same truck that is easily provable. (laughs) <laughs> I I hope this is what nails him. I really do. I, I really that do.
3: That would be very good for me. Mm-hmm.
1: So Angie, because she's a badass bitch, she found the scrapyard that he sold it to and she went and bought the truck back. Yeah. So Angie has the truck, right? Right? So Angie has the truck in her possession. She, uh, They did have it examined, like a forensic examination good. of the truck two times two times, it was concluded that there was absolutely nothing wrong with the truck and it did not malfunction on the day of the murder. There was, it was in fine working order. Go, Andrew. Well, minus a bent bumper. I know. Mm. Um, now, very quickly, many of Grant's family members and supporters started calling for justice, like very quickly after this. Um they're asking for the authorities to relook at this case. Uh, during their call to action, Gracie and Angie were scared that Gracie could end up back in Aaron's care. <sighs> their, their family had spent years fighting the legal system and begging for help from anybody and everybody that could talk, that, that they could talk to. And they were just getting hit left and right and becoming more desolate and having less options every single time they fought this. So with, no other options. Like they wanted justice for Grant and they wanted to get the authorities to look at this case. But Gracie did not want to go back into Aaron's care. So with no other option, Gracie recorded a video outlining all of the abuse that she endured and what had taken place. And even it was Grant and she posted it to YouTube. And she was like, if nobody's, yes, I love YouTube. <laughs> I, right? If nobody's going to help me, I'm going to post it to YouTube. And she did. Her bravery.
3: Her mm-hmm. bravery.
1: I can't, it's astounding. This girl, I, I, it took me till I was 30 to talk about my abuse, my sexual abuse that I endured as a child. And it's nothing, absolutely nothing compared to what she has been through. And I still don't talk about it. And the fact that she's already talked about it so many times, like she has to relive yeah.
3: it all over again. All these times she's confessed it to people and tried to get people yeah. to hear her and protect her. And then she's doing it again in front of literally the entire world. Like the entire I world. pass off to you. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you shouldn't have to work a day in your life. Like mm-hmm. you should have anything and everything you want forever.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Uh, So the internet is the internet, and it did its thing. And people started to pick up this case. Um, The first person I uh, heard talk about this case was actually a girl named Sherilyn Dale, and she has a true crime channel that I follow. And she talked about it, and I was just like hats off to her because this was very new um, at the time, and you are facing the possibility of many legal battles Mm -hmm. because... Yeah, he's also a multimillionaire. So, like, I was very proud of her for covering this, and I saw many other YouTubers cover it in the months um, after that. But because of this and, and this video, Gracie was taken out of Angie's custody, and she was put into child protective services mm-hmm. for six months. Thankfully, she was able to be back with get back to her mom, and she is with her mom now. But interestingly enough, the Tennessee Children's Case Reporting stated that the sexual abuse allegations against Aaron have been substantiated. Specifically, they're classified as abuse substantiated, perpetrator substantiated, meaning they have confirmed Gracie's sexual abuse by Aaron Solomon. Now, what is so fucking lootly infuriating about this is that the Tennessee Children's Case Report states that the five year span that the children were in Aaron's sole custody was the exact five year span that they were able to substantiate the sexual abuse that Gracie had endured by Aaron. But this was also the exact time frame that Angie was trying to fi- file for custody and kept getting denied, saying that her claims held no merit.
3: How the tables have tabled.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think it's definitely one of those situations that like the fucking Ugh. right hand doesn't know what the fucking left hand is doing because like all of these I agencies know. should have been working together and protecting the goddamn children. See, they don't really care about kids at the end
3: of the day. No, they, they, they really don't care about the kids. They they just care about fetuses.
1: <sighs> that's in hardly a anything. Body. God, Th- that's what they care about. We have abortion bans here in Tennessee, but like fuck the child. that's... somebody's going to quote me on that. That's hardly anything. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They care about fees That's hardly anything. D- yeah. But that that's what they care about. That's what they're putting all their legislation to. Yeah. And not actually focusing on the living, breathing child that we have in front of us saying, my father's raping me. Help. Yeah. You know what? When you guys go
3: to vote, I want you to think about Gracie.
1: Seriously. Absolutely.
3: Point blank. You think about Gracie. You think about her with the single bed and
1: her dad. Think about that. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Gracie is having to do what she's doing right now because she's 17 now and Gracie has actually hired her own lawyer and is suing her father for the sexual abuse she endured. Yes. Something no 17-year-old should ever have to do. I think she had started filing before she was 17. So she was 16 when she started her lawsuit against her father for sexually abusing her.
3: Okay, unnecessary, but what a power move. Yeah, I mean, I where do I get a foam finger for this, for this girl? <laughs>
1: right. I Sign need me all up. All of the foam fingers, all of the air horns. Like I, <sighs> like she's doing
3: the most.
1: Yeah. Mad respect. In March of 2022, Aaron filed a defamation lawsuit against Angie, calling all of this a smear campaign and says (laughs) that everything that is being said isn't accurate. He denies trying to kill Angie. He denies killing Grant. He denies abusing Gracie and even denies being fired from his job. I think it's safe to say that he denies anything that makes him look bad. Okay, so there's that. Anyways, moving on. So in the beginning of September, <laughs> Nancy Grace. Do you know who Nancy Grace is? Yes, who doesn't know who Nancy Grace is? Okay, so if you if you don't, if you've been living under a rock in the True Crime community, just Google. Once you see
3: her photo, you'd be like, oh, that one. Yeah, yeah. i She know. scares me. I'm gonna be honest. Nancy Grace. She also scares, scares me the shit out of me. She. I want her to go head to head with Aaron.
1: Oh. Oh, I would love it. So. If you don't know who she is, she's an American legal commentator on television. She's like television journalist. She worked in like law, right? Like she was like a DA, defense attorney, or prosecutor. She was a prosecutor. Something. She was a prosecutor. Know, some lawyer, something. So at CrimeCon this year in September, somebody from the audience asked her if she had heard about this case and if she was going to cover it. And she said yes. And when they tried to ask her more about it, she couldn't really give them anything. Because she was still looking into it. She's like, I still need more. But what I can tell you is there's a reason I'm covering it. Yeah, like, <laughs> Nancy, go on. <laughs> I was like, "Aaron, you best, you best be scared. Because Nancy Grace is coming after you and she's scary. She's oh, going to tear him like five new ones. Like, this she's is good. going to rip. Mm. So at the end of November is when I saw it posted on Instagram that... Nancy Grace has recorded one episode of the Grant and Gracie story and yes. uh, an Angie's story. And it is in the legal phase. So I guess like it just has to pass through their legal system mm. to make sure everything's good. Um, but I, I don't have like a day that it's going to air by the time this comes out. So this is going to come out like January, what, like uh 6th? No, 16th. 15th, 9th, 9th, whatever. Sure. This is coming out the second week of January. <laughs> and so this, her episode might have already aired by then. If it has, we will link it either in the show notes or we'll tell you what it's called and what app it's streaming on and where you can watch it. So we will link that below. So check the show notes because holy shit, they're, they're getting some movement. Like this has been months of work that people have been like, I guess from the summer, it really exploded in the summer. Um, hmm. But people have been talking about it for at least probably about a year. Um, Gracie, I think, posted her video to YouTube two years ago. So she's been, she's been, they've been at this for a long time. So let's talk about how you can help. Okay, this is a uh-huh. call to action. This is an ongoing case. The state of Tennessee has stated that, like, not really stated, but like there, there's no desire to like reopen the case. Bill Lee, the governor, has. Stated that there's nothing to it. It's you know tragic accident. But he said in like an email, I can't remember who he sent the email to, but that oh that 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 insurance thing. We need to look into that. Like we need to, like they're more focused on the insurance fraud than they are actually looking into Grant's murder. Because I'm sorry, I do not believe it was an accident allegedly, but his murder. Mm-hmm. Also, the Gallatin Police Department did come out recently and say that they have no body cam footage from that day. Liars. How, I'm sorry. This is 2020. How the fuck do you not have body cam footage? How the fuck do you not have body cam footage from that day? Isn't that like mandatory? What's going on? I smell yeah, corruption. No. So we want this to be reinvestigated. That is what Angie wants. That's what Gracie wants. They want this to be reinvestigated. They want this to be, you know, closer. Because there
3: needs to be in reinvestigated.
1: They want a... um crime scene, like accident reconstructionist Mm -hmm. to come out and reconstruct the whole entire crime scene, the whole entire accident and get some scientists behind this. All of that takes money and all of that is very expensive. So they did um, create a nonprofit called Grant's Army and they do have two GoFundMes. They have one for Gracie and one for um, Grant. Gracie's last time I checked was about right under 40000 is what she has raised. That's all for her legal fees, like going towards like suing her father. And then grants was like over 200000 But that is also, again, legal fees, paying for scientists and the reconstruction. And they want to do a private exhumation of Aaron, uh, of Grant. And so all of that takes money. All of that takes funds. But all of the money that goes through the GoFundMe is going to be funneled through their nonprofit, Grant's Good. army. They're being very forthcoming if you don't know about nonprofits all of their finances are public record so like they want you to be able to see where this money's going and what they're doing with it um they're being very transparent very upfront and honest transparent that's the word yes so if you can we will link those below um if you want and have the ability to donate if you don't that's okay share this episode share the story please the what has gotten this story to be you know so much traction that it does have is from people sharing it and, and spreading the word on social media, liking the post, interacting with uh, Grant and Gracie's Instagram account, which we will also link that in. Um, you can go to their website. You can see all of the pictures and all of the evidence. She has a timeline on the website. Go and look at that. We'll also link Gracie's YouTube video that she outlined all of her abuse that she posted two years ago. Go and watch that. Interact with all of these kinds of content as much as you can, because the more that it's interacted, the more the platforms want to push it out and the more exposure that they get. If you are local to the Franklin, Tennessee area and they have some kind of like rally or picket or or something, attend if you can. Um Get others to help you and attend with you. Grant deserves this justice. So all three of them do, but especially Grant. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if you can, we will also link in the show notes the contact information for your states, uh, Tennessee State Senators and the, uh, what is it called? The uh, State Attorney General, Governor Bill Lee. I will leave all the contact information below and I will even type up a short email where you can just send to them and ask them to reopen copy the case. Just copy and paste. We want this to not... We can't let it die. Yeah, we don't want to let it die. We don't want them to have the chance to forget this and to let it fade into the background. It doesn't stop here. This is just the beginning. I am going to be following this case. Oh, yeah. Very You've much so. You got me invested. I, I've been invested in this one for for so long. And I have I have actually a few friends through TikTok um, and stuff that, that are in contact with Angie and that have been helping her um, making a murder on... TikTok and on YouTube, oh, yeah. Uh, he's yeah he's been in contact. Um, Beham nice. Blue Dot, she's been in contact with Angie. She makes a bunch of videos about this. He his position and and him being this good man in church and this godly man has been able to help him circumvent the legal system, time and time and time again. But no longer because we're calling his ass out. Uh I I think he ended up selling his house in Tennessee and we don't currently know where he's living because it was getting too hot. That <laughs> PI probably too much knows. Attention. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I and bet And you he know does. what? Yeah. Guys, if 200 of you donate a dollar to that GoFundMe, that's an extra $200. You know, like it's the little things that matter. It counts.
1: Seriously, if you can if, even if it's just a dollar, it's it's you it's know. enough. Great. We will be donating as well. Well, I yeah. like, no, we will. We'll. Do you want to donate our Amazon? Um, yeah, affiliate? yeah, let's do that. Yeah, we'll do that. Okay. It's we'll, perfect. It's not much, but it, we'll give what we can. We'll make fine. some off our Amazon. We'll, we'll do this month's um, Amazon affiliate income commissions that so we'll put all that towards it. Perfect. But yeah, don't let this die go out show them some love interact with their posts tell them that you are thinking about them and that you're that you're you know praying for them they're still christians they're still believers and they are asking god to help help them fight for justice so if that's prayer is your thing love it do it if it's good vibes do it whatever it is just this family deserves so much more so yeah unfortunately that is the tragic mysterious death of Grant Solomon and the horrific sexual abuse. I love that we have a call to action, though. We do. And I, I've i been wanting to cover this case for so long, but I've, <sighs> I, I'll i be honest, I've been legally scared, too. But the fact that once Kendall covered it, I was like, all right. She said, <laughs> okay. okay, I can jump in now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Even in hers, Kendall's like, I talked to my lawyer, and I was like, oh, thank God. But like, it's just, and Nancy Grace is now covering it. So it's like, okay, who are you going to sue? All of us? Okay, you know. And they've substantiated the sexual abuse. So I've said what I've said. I've covered my ass. Don't sue me. (laughs) I'm glad
3: that you talked about it. Uh, Even though it's not, it's still like ongoing and we don't quite have all the answers. I'm happy to know about it. And I'm happy that we can do something, you know? Because like, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, we hear a lot of sad stories in true crime. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. we just don't have anything that we can really do. Yeah, yeah. To like make amends to the situation, you can just spread awareness about it. But now, now we have the opportunity, and we're going to jump on it for sure.
1: So if that's the case. Uh, we've been here for a long time. I'm sorry, guys. Actually, I'm not sorry. Uh, it's Don't a be. good case, and it all needed to be said. But our palate cleansers, Lola. What's your palate cleanser for the day? Um, my neighbor. So, uh,
3: the other day I went to his house to give him some of my. Chickens, eggs, Ooh. and I made some homemade bread, and so I was giving it to them. And one of the neighbors, he answered the door, and he was like, "Hey!" And I gave him the stuff, and I was like, "Here, this is this is the the bounty." <laughs> and he was like, "This is nine a.m., okay?" And he said, "Do you like deviled eggs?" <laughs> and I was like, "I mean, yeah, yeah. Why?" And he's like, "Cause I just made." I just have been piping some for hours, and I made it with Japanese mayo, and it's it's tart and it's got a kick to it. And would you like one? And I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so he like ran up the stairs, got a fork, stabbed one of them, and then brought it down to me on the fork. Oh, oh. <laughs> and, oh. and then he was like, I'm high. <laughs> Oh my God, God, that makes so much sense now. (laughs) He said, I had an edible last night and it's still here and (laughs) I have so much work to do today and I don't know how I'm going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) That is so funny. Oh my gosh. Hey, it was a good ass deviled egg. And you know what? Hey. I think he had a good day that day. So.
1: Yeah, he definitely had a good day. It reminds me of that video. This guy is like, so I played this game where... I wanted to see if I could change my truck brakes before this edible kicked in, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's just like looking at the camera, and he's like, uh, "He's like, I lost this round, but I've I've been so mad for the last twenty minutes. I've been so angry about why dolphins don't have feet.
3: <laughs> I, I just I need laughing. to go see that. I love that. Oh god, that's so funny. Okay, Anyways, okay, yours. so.
1: So my, um, I was about to say my edible, my palate yeah. cleanser. So I have a rose vibrator. It's, oh, it's, 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 it's amazing. I love it. Well, okay. When it charges, it's like magnetic. So it like sits on this little like platform, tiny little thing. Looks like a, size is of it this. a leaf anyway? No it's, <laughs> no, it's not a leaf, but it's like, like a size of a half missed opportunity, half dollar. I know very missed opportunity but then it just like magnetizes and and sits on top okay well <laughs> i put it on the charger last night uh when i went to bed and i meant to grab it this morning and put it back in my drawer before my kids woke, like came in to oh, my no. Room. <laughs> oh, no. and mind you like it's not out like in the open open like it's on the floor okay. by the charger right and it's small so like yeah they still noticed it, right? My oldest noticed of it. And not only did she ask what it was, but she went over and started touching it. I was not in the room. My husband was. And he's like, she's like, what is this rose? And then I hear my husband say, oh, it's your mother's. And she, I hear Lily like coming, walking towards her. She's like, mom, what is this rose? And I went inside, but I like didn't want her to know. So I was like, oh, it's just mine. And she's like, but what's it for? And I was like, My hair. (laughs) Oh my God. She goes, but what what does it do for your hair? I go, it helps it. And
3: I just like walked away. You're so vague. This
1: is parenting at its finest. I couldn't, I love this. I couldn't think of anything to say in the moment. My first initial response was going to be, Oh, it's mommy's toy. But then I was like, wait, no, no, you can't say that. And say it's a mini vacuum. It's a mini vacuum. <laughs> to no. clean the desk, because, to clean the keyboard. Because then she would like come and try to like use it one time. She's like say try to find it's it. it's for medical purposes. Yeah, it's a mistake must- not suck say things must- out of must- my eyeballs. <laughs> that would hurt. Then they won't touch it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, so my child found my vibrator today and was perfect. very confused on what it was. I love it. But yeah, <sighs> anyways, I, cleanser. I know I need to go eat a snack. I need to take a Me break um, from this case for, for for a day. Just take a breath. But we'll put everything in the show notes. Please do the call to action. Show some love yes. to, to the, Angie and Gracie. And yeah, we will see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hey, heathens. If you're
3: enjoying the show so far, please remember to like, subscribe, follow, do that shit, you know, whatever it is, uh, and please leave a review if you can, if you want to, if if you feel inclined. This choircast podcast is produced by Lacey Bean and Lola Robbins, and audio engineered by Eric Howell. Thanks for listening.